Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is planning a church season. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on those running shoes, or pick up those knitting needles and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and I serve at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Dawn Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so this time we're going to use Lent as our example because that happens to be the current upcoming season. Correct. This will be coming out right during the first week of Lent in 2018. Seeing as how we've already covered Ash Wednesday and a lot of the people in Lent, which you can go find on our website or you can find in iTunes. Yep, absolutely. In fact, Ash Wednesday was our very first podcast two years ago. Hard to believe. Crazy, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so is it like the fashion seasons where the shows are at least a season ahead? (laughs) How far ahead do you really have to plan for these things? I think it depends upon your staff and it depends upon how your congregation functions. Does the size of the congregation have anything to do with this? Mm, Maybe. Okay. I think some of the larger congregations that have publicity to do and publications to create do have to work a little bit farther in advance in order to get everything disseminated out and created and published and done. Okay. And it also really does depend upon the personality of the planners. (laughs) Whether you're a procrastinator or not? Well, and if we want to bring in the Myers-Briggs stuff, right, if you're someone who plans ahead really far in advance and likes things to have checklists and to know that you've gotten things done or whether you're someone who works kind of at the last minute on the fly, on the fly, let the creative juices flow and does really well in that last minute kind of creativity. When you have those two personalities, depending upon how extreme you are, I think that really impacts church planning. Mm -hmm. You can make assumptions or stereotypes and say that artists are more likely to be last minute kind of go with the flow flighty types and administrators really like things in good order. And I think there's always the middle ground in those kinds of pieces, but it really depends upon the personalities of the people in charge as to how far in advance you need to plan. Now, I'm guessing there's a lot more to this than your average parishioner understands? Probably. Okay. I think that sometimes folks don't have a guess at how much goes into creating an overarching season. Because it's not just you got to change out the banners in the back of the church. There's a little more going on than that. Right. Well, there can be. I mean, it can just be change out the banners. Yeah. And keep going how you're going. Like, it doesn't have to be... Elaborate. Yeah. You don't have to do massive themes that create books and send it out and all the different people. You don't have to go there. You can. Mm -hmm. And in order to do something like that, in order to create something that is going to be massive and overarching, if you do want to do that, say, for example, in the season of Advent, a good example would be Westwinds Community Church, a church that I know of through my doctorate studies. One of the things that they did for Advent is they had an online Advent calendar. Oh, my. And there was a giveaway every day. That takes some planning. And that takes a ton of planning, right? And there was a video to say what the giveaway was for the day, and there was the actual item and how to receive it and where to go and what it was for and all the participatory. And then there's the publishing of that. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge, big, overarching thing. That is a vast amount of work. Precisely. And so you can go there 
you can just change out the banners and say, oh, we're going to use setting two in the ELW and for this season and we're done. Okay. Is right? that a congregation to congregation thing yes. on how elaborate they go? Precisely. Okay. It absolutely is. There are resources that you could purchase. There are plenty of church publishing companies that are like, hey, here's a theme for Lent and you can buy all of our materials and give them out to your people. Ta-da! Uh-huh. And then you can spend the money and buy all their materials and you've got a prepackaged program mm-hmm. for your church season. And for folks who don't know what a church season is, we have a podcast, Ye Oldie Ancient Days podcast. Yes. <laughs> I think we might have still been recording like on your iPod. Yes. <laughs> so sound quality might be quite different. That talks about the church calendar year and what the season is and how they all flow out and what they are. So Lent is one of those seasons. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to demarcate, right? It starts with Ash Wednesday, and it runs until Holy Week. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when you're planning for that season, you include Holy Week in your planning. Well, that makes sense. So Lent leads you into Holy Week in that experience. Now, that particular season is not just changing up the colors. You have extra services. You can. Mm -hmm. And you often get, at least in the Lutheran Church, a Wednesday night service. Mm -hmm. Where does that come from? Because I don't remember doing that in the Catholic Church. It's a great question, and I don't actually know. The congregations that I've served throughout my training and my ministry all had midweek Lenten Vespers. Okay. And I wonder if it's some remainder, like the last vestiges of the Wednesday night, holy night kind of thing where... There was a Wednesday night, holy night? There used to be a lot of, you know, Wednesday night was church night, culturally. Oh, that's funny, because from where I was... Yeah. Thursday night. There you go. So a midweek, mm-hmm. right? There's like a midweek... It's when I got to go to CCD. There you go. Mm-hmm. And I think the Protestants might have been Wednesdays, mm-hmm. and the Catholics might have been Thursdays for CCD, mm-hmm. right? So confirmation on Wednesday nights, CCD on Thursday nights. Okay. And maybe there would be fellowship, maybe there would be meals, maybe there's more programming, small group ministries that happen on those nights, those kinds of things. That's all started to fall apart in this new century, right? Oh, sure. Those, through the rest of the year, it's really hard to get people to commit to midweek gatherings. But for a short period of time. But for a short period of time in a specific season with a specific goal, people will carve out six weeks to come and attend. Is it typically a meal and a service? I know here at Central, there's also some sort of a learning hour Mm -hmm. that goes on as well. Oftentimes, in in my experience, in the congregations I've served, it's always been a meal and then some kind of education and then some kind of evening prayer service. Oftentimes, because we are ELCA Lutherans in the time that we're living, that is holding evening vespers. Okay. And also, I've served on the West Coast. So I I should put that out there. All of the congregations that I've been a part of have been in California, Washington, and Oregon. And so... I don't know whether or not hold an evening prayer is quite as used across the entire denomination as it is in the Pacific Northwest. I can only confirm from the Midwest the soup supper thing. There you go. And the soup supper thing is really very, very common. And sometimes ELCA World Hunger Mm -hmm. has released other options to do like a world hunger focus Mm -hmm. for Lent. And so you'll have 
paper placemats that talk about hunger situations and maybe the meal for the night is rice and beans. Okay. Right, simple meals kind of a thing. And then whatever money would go towards the soup supper. It's kind of like Holden Village does this, I think, every week where they have one meal where they don't serve meat, where they go really simple. And the funds that would pay for that full meal go towards world hunger Mm -hmm. kind of a thing. And so some congregations might tap into that for a year as part of the theme. Maybe they're doing a theme on looking at hunger in the world Mm -hmm. through Lent. But that's all part of the planning of it, is that you have to kind of look at the season and figure out how long is the season and what are you wanting to focus on and Mm -hmm. how are you wanting it to come together? What does your congregation need and how do you want to encourage them for the year? We made a choice this year. We have our new music director. Mm -hmm. So this is a year when it would be really easy to make changes. Uh Yes. To things that are, you know, this is the way we've always done it. Well, we've had a big change. And so we can make some changes. And it's just because we're in that year of change. Three or four years from now, it'll be harder to make those changes. Mm -hmm. This year, we can make the change. So this year, what we've opted to do is we're encouraging folks to really choose to participate in the season. So if people read the newsletter article, (laughs) big if there. Big ask. A big ask is to come especially to Ash Wednesday, Palm Sunday, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Vigil, and Easter. To come to those special services that mark out this particular season. Okay. And that if people haven't taken the time to attend all of those within one year's time before in their lifetime to give it a try this year. And so if we're making that challenge, then we need those services to actually mean something Mm -hmm. and we need to make them important and special. So the big risk that we're taking is we're choosing to not do Palm slash Passion Sunday where on the Sunday before Easter, you do like the great parade and we tell the story of the crucifixion, we are opting to just stay focused on the parade this year and encourage people to come back on Thursday and Friday to hear the dark part of the story. Because the challenge is people who don't come in for those additional services don't get the dark part. They just get, yay, Hosanna in the highest. You go from party. high to low rather quickly. Right. But if we just do Palm Sunday, you go from high to, yay, now he's risen. Uh-huh. Like you never get the low unless you come back. And the same with Lent is this opportunity to dive into some intentional spiritual practices. It's six weeks. You're not committing mm-hmm. for like the next four months to try and be extra spiritual or holy, Mm -hmm. you really are just saying, okay, for six weeks, I'm going to try to make four out of the six Vespers. You're not even asking for all of them. I'm not. I'm realistic in that. People have vacations. People have things coming up. In the midst of Lent this year is spring break. Yes, it is. And so I'm not going to assume that people are going to make it to all of the evenings throughout Mm -hmm. Lent. And if people want to deepen their spiritual discipline or want to experience something, then coming and committing and being present is really important in that. 
So how much are you steering this boat or how much are you looking for the congregation to sort of give you ideas? When it comes to season planning, I think, again, that matters upon congregational system. Okay. So some congregations really look for the pastor to set the tone. Okay. The pastor can say, okay, our theme for Lent this year is going to be stillness. Uh Uh-huh. And then depending upon how collaborative or not the situation is, the pastor could do all of it and choose the hymns and choose all of those pieces to make it all fit the theme that they've decided. Uh Uh-huh. And some congregations love that. Yes. Right? That is right up their alley. Because somebody else is doing it, and I don't have to think about right. it. Right. That's and what I we can just show for. up. Right. And on the other extreme are congregations that have teams that do all this kind of planning and imagining and work and tell the pastor what the theme is going to be. Hmm. Have you been on both sides of uh-huh. that? Okay. Yeah. And then kind of say, okay, well, this is what we're thinking of, and this is what we're dreaming of. We would like Lent this year to be this sort of a feel to it. So how can we collaborate and work together and get more people involved to create this kind of situation where we're all focused on a simple living for this season? Mm -hmm. And we're going to have education hours focused on this, and we're going to have artistic opportunities focused on this. And kind of build it out from there because so-and-so has skills in this and so-and-so has skills in this. And then you piece it all together and it coalesces in some way. I think here at Central, we're kind of a blend. Okay. I can certainly have input and give guidance. And at the same time, we have a really strong worship committee with really great vision and dreams. And so... Oftentimes, like for our Ash Wednesday service, a member has given me an alternative service that's completely different than anything we've done before. Okay. And tonight, going to be looking at that and fitting it into our theology and our style of worship and how can we make this blend in with who we are and how we are and how will it fit into the whole overarching plan for this season. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to use the saints and Lenten madness as our Wednesday evening focus Mm -hmm. and our educational focus, all right, so that's going on. We're going to be thinking and surrounding ourselves with the saints of old. And then I have this new service of Ash Wednesday that's going to be kicking off the season. Then how am I going to weave those two pieces through Sunday morning themes? What music are we going to choose for Sunday morning? What's the liturgy going to look like? Are we going to do a Kyrie or a nod? Are we going to have a sung Lord's Prayer or spoken? Are we going to do confession? Are we not? Are we going to do a creed? Are we not? You know, what are the pieces that we're going to take and pull in order to make this feel like one cohesive, big experience? Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of this that is still set for you, right? You're still in the lectionary. Mm -hmm. The readings are done. The readings are set. The Psalms? Mm-hmm. The Psalms set. are set. Mm-hmm. So that is not something that you have to necessarily pick or worry about. Correct. So when it comes to like Holy Week, for example, not only are the scriptures already set for you, mm-hmm. but even in a year of change, there are some traditions you're not going to touch. <laughs> <laughs> you still going to have a trumpet voluntary or some sort when it comes to the music? Maybe. I mean, okay. that's an extra musician to hire in for us. So maybe... It's typical. It's typical. Do we have it in the budget? That kind of a thing is the question for that sort of a piece. But 
are we going to sing Jesus Christ is risen today? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to sing You're Jesus Christ is risen today, right? Like <laughs> there are some pieces that aren't going to be touched. In our congregation on Good Friday, are we going to have the cross made out of sandboxes and the opportunity to kneel alongside and light candles and put them in the sand? Yes. We will have the veneration of the cross, right? So how much of those do you get to play with or do you want to play with? I mean, when you have a tradition like that Mm -hmm. and it's set, you just go with it, huh? Well, when I got here, I had the opportunity to play with it. Okay. Right? So we made changes to the Maundy Thursday service when we got here. Okay. When I got here. It was very different from what I do. And we may change it up this year. Okay. Because we could. The Good Friday service here, very attended by the adults. Okay. And has a lot of history and a lot of heart. So what you're saying is some of it depends on how much pushback you may or may not get for the amount of changes you make. Absolutely. And Good Friday is a beautiful service the way that it's done in this congregation, and there's no reason to touch it. Ain't broke, don't fix it? Absolutely. Okay. And Saturday... I don't think this congregation had an Easter vigil. If they did, it was late in the evening and it was very poorly attended and people really didn't like it. Easter vigil was the hardest one. Who wants to go? Especially as a Catholic, who wanted to go to church on Saturday night? (laughs) It's that long in the 241st year or something, something. It just went on forever. And so when I got here, I implemented the Easter vigil for kids, mm-hmm. right? And kept the heart and purpose of Easter Vigil, but move it into the afternoon and focus on the kids. And the storytelling is interactive theater style rather than long litany style. Mm-hmm. And so honestly, our Easter Vigil is now our most attended Triduum service. <laughs> nice. Because we have maybe 25 who come to Maundy Thursday, about 35, 40 who come to Good Friday. Uh-huh. And last year we had like 65 to 70 who came to Easter Vigil. Yeah, but is there treats involved in Easter Vigil? There's an Easter egg hunt and a prize table. Well, yeah. (laughs) so That's a big draw. It's a big draw. And it's a ton of fun. And I hope this year more of the members, not only our members with young children, but more of our members without young children will also come and be a part of that Easter vigil because it matters and it's deeply holy and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm looking at this entire season and how do I want to create, you know, what is the through line? And it's not just me, right? Or if the worship team is looking at this, what's the through line that we're looking to create across the entire season? And how can we weave that in and make it a cohesive whole? For as much intentionality as we put into this, congregational members may catch 10%. Sure. Right? But it's like a good book. The first time you read it, you're going to catch this part of the through line that you really enjoy. And the next time you read it, you're going to catch other things, right? I don't know how many times or how long I've loved Harry Potter, and I never realized that Diagon Alley is diagonally, diagonally. right? Or Nocturne Alley is nocturnally, right? I had never picked those things well, up until later. Well, you're also not really ever cognizant of just how much work goes into putting all of that together. Right. Or to just make sure that it happens. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to. 
And it gives the opportunity for a different depth Mm -hmm. when that kind of a thing is created. Mm -hmm. And I'm not one who does a whole lot of like sermon series kinds of things. You know, I've done like two in my entire career. And part of that is because I'm not a plan aheader. Uh I am someone who is really good on the fly. If you have an emergency and you need me to come up with something on the fly and be present on the fly, I am so your girl. (laughs) You know, if you need me to have something turned into you five and six weeks in advance, it's a miracle if it actually Mm -hmm. happens. It was a really, really big deal that I turned in my dissertation two days before final deadline. It's impressive. It was a really big deal, right? And I know that about myself. So depending upon who I'm working with, we'll say how much planning ahead happens. Uh Both Martin and I are good on the fly. Okay. And so our challenge is going to be planning ahead. Yeah. And at the same time, when you do have things that have to change for one reason or another at the last minute, and I'm thinking specifically of the Christmas Eve service with the weather. Right. Went amazingly. Right. Absolutely. And And there are a lot of things that changed on the fly for that particular one. Totally. And it means that things like... The hymn of the day Mm -hmm. here is no longer being printed in the bulletin because we have to have it chosen by Wednesday. Uh Martin is comfortable enough being handed a piece of music 10 minutes before worship to play. That is the craziest thing I've ever heard somebody who's played an instrument. And so I come in on Sunday morning and I have my sermon in my head and he's like, all right, what are you preaching? Oh, man. And then between the two of us, about an hour before worship, we choose the hymn of the day. So that it absolutely ties in to where I'm going and the image that I'm choosing. That is the most amazing thing I think I've heard all week. Which is awesome, It is. And it means that we aren't doing a ton of advanced planning. Uh In another call where I served, we had three months of themes, hymns, scriptures, everything chosen in advance at all times. Wow. And nothing changed. And part of that was that that was really what made the congregation feel safe. Mm -hmm. It's what made the staff feel safe. They knew what was coming. They knew what to prepare for. They knew how to do that. I'm guessing certain seasons are easier to plan for than others. Yes. Some of them are more intentional, like Lent and Advent are easy to be intentional about. Okay. The season after Pentecost that goes on forever. (laughs) Is it the green one? That's the green one. (laughs) Okay. That's like all summer long. That's harder to plan, like, an overarching theme that's going to run for four months. Oh, man. See, now, that is totally not what I was thinking. I would have figured when you have extra services like Easter and you have something that's going to require more music, like the Christmas season, that would be the harder one to do. Except that we have such clear stories Mm -hmm. at that point in time in our season. Lent and Advent, Advent is about getting ready for Jesus to Mm -hmm. be born. Lent is about getting ready for Jesus to die on the cross. Mm -hmm. Those seasons have really clear themes. The season after Pentecost... (laughs) Is all over the map. Is everywhere. Like, that's where you're getting stories of... Jesus's parables and one year you're going to get all of the book of Ephesians like it's so varied Uh when you get into that season it's kind of the mishmash and so where Lent or Advent are like okay here's our Thanksgiving meal we know what goes in this the season after Pentecost is this buffet line that Mm -hmm. you just show up to and everybody can 
I don't like corn. I'm just eating mashed potatoes. Mm -hmm. Right. So it makes it much more difficult, I think, to plan a cohesive. If you want to think about it, like planning a party. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a really specific event that you're planning the party for, it's hard to pick a party theme. Well, in that particular time of year, it's kind of the end of spring and summer totally it's the end of the school year man Mm -hmm. it's the end of the school year through till the end of november Uh uh-huh and so it's this huge vast amount of time that really is kind of superfluous in our own lives as well it's a little more open in our own lives and it just makes it hard Mm -hmm. so it is easier to take advent or lent or the season of pentecost and try to plan a specific kind of through line for those seasons. And you'll see it most probably within the musical setting. So if you're a congregation that does pieces like your liturgy, your Gloria, uh-huh. or the Alleluia verse you sing before the gospel is read, the setting, the way that you do communion, those are the pieces where you'll probably see the most obvious signs. It always seems to go from a major to a minor. that's partly my view of lent yeah and this year we will be making the liturgical shift on ash when well ash wednesday will be a very different service this year Mm -hmm. and then first sunday of lent you'll see a strong liturgical shift interesting all right then last question which one is your favorite to plan for i love planning for holy week yeah and the triduum man that seems like the one who just has the most work involved but it has such the most fun like through line if you think about the opportunity to tell a whole story Mm -hmm. holy week has the whole story you get a clear entry and then you get a clear conflict and a strong big moment of pain and suffering and then you get your moment of rest and reflection and then you get your big joyful moment so it has it all within one week do you feel like you got to change it up from year to year Or do you feel like you got to keep it the same on your favorites specifically? Both both and. Okay. It's a both and. I think that the pieces that get changed up are like that Easter vigil, that time in between. Okay. So the leading up to it, Maundy Thursday is easy to change up as well. But Good Friday, the actual Mm -hmm. death moment, I think that that holds steady. Mm -hmm. And the rest of it circles and twists around that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, your Easter vigil really is that in-between time. So you can change that up and do all kinds of different things with that particular day because you're living in that liminal in-between space anyway. Okay. And then Easter is really hard to change. That's not because the story doesn't allow it to be changeable. What's hard to change about that are people's expectations, cultural expectations are so strong. It's hard to make changes in that and have people feel like, yep, we done did Easter. No, no. For that, it's as much time... That changes things. And I'm thinking Easter bonnets kind of thing. What comes in and out of fashion? Yeah. Or like how many of your members have young families or is your location the visitation destination or are your families going somewhere else to visit? Sure. All the family dynamics since there's so much travel involved now in our contemporary families. Family units aren't all attending church at the same Mm -hmm. spot and their grandparents coming into town or out of town, mm-hmm. or all those kinds of pieces. So being an urban parish, I've noticed that a lot, that our holidays, we see our people traveling, either grandparents traveling into the city to visit their grandkids 
or families traveling to grandparents. Sure. And so the swap out between who is here and who isn't here on the high holy days completely has to do with the fact that we just have a lot of people with families from out of town and out of state. Well, yeah, but you're still kind of working on your McDonald's principle of you want your Easter service to feel the same no matter where you're celebrating it, I think. It's very true. And the same with Christmas. Mm -hmm. You you want it to be familiar. Mm -hmm. You want Jesus Christ is risen today. You want hallelujahs. You You want your silent night with your candle. Uh Uh-huh. You want silent night with your candle. Yep. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about planning a church season. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I, and thank you for listening along. It would be great to hear from you. You can reach out to us by leaving us a message on Facebook or sending us an email at podcast at centralportland.org. We would love to hear from you on iTunes. Feel free to leave us a review. And until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.